I know, I know, you guys miss me, but I'm back. Cam Newton went viral this past weekend, and not for anything football related. Well, in a way, it was football related. It happened at a 7-on-7 football tournament that he helped orchestrate, and it took place when a super overzealous high school student told him that he was about to be poor in an exchange that went even more viral than it should have because Cam Newton is a free agent to be. This high school student, Joseph Owens, took his chance to go back to the hood and tell people, yo, I got it into it with Cam. I told him he was washed. I told him he was ass. I told him he was cooked and he was about to be poor. Not realizing that it was only going to take maybe a few hours later for the world to see how ridiculous this kid looked when he did that. What even upset me more was the fact that when I went through the comment sections, because y'all y'all at the gray area, I know I comment creep. I saw people defending his actions, saying Cam was a bit too pressed, he was in his feelings, etc., etc. Imagine telling a heckler I'm rich somehow makes you pressed in 2021. I got I gotta tell you, there's a lot of weird people out here. But a lot of people were co-signing this kid's behavior because they are so anti-wealth in this time that they feel as though any person with any modicum of success or wealth should take the nonsense of anyone including a disrespectful teenager. It wasn't until another video came out where Cam was trying to address the kid and give the kid the attention he was seeking on a man-to-man level or on, on a peer-to-mentor level that the masses realized this kid is tripping. I don't understand why money dictates people's reactions to situations. Disrespect is disrespect. Disrespect doesn't have a dollar sign. It doesn't matter how much money a person makes. If a person, especially a child, okay, let's call it what it is. Joseph Owens is a child. If when a child gets out of line, no amount of money that I have or any person has makes that okay. To all of you people in the comment section, before the whole story got out, who was anti-cam because he decided to go back and forth with a heckler, you guys are ridiculous. It doesn't matter that Cam is rich. The kid called him ass and said that he was about to be poor at an event he put together. If Cam decided that he wanted to now address this child because the child got out of line, he's within his right. And for y'all to, uh, to attack Cam and attack people in the comment sections who were telling you that you were being ridiculous for co-signing this behavior, you all can go to hell. You guys are completely ridiculous. I don't. I feel like we need to, like, you know what? I know people are getting mad at Mark Zuckerberg for, you know, he's censoring Facebook right now. And people feel away. But I'm starting to feel like certain people need to be censored out here. Because if these are your opinions, if you can't even have basic opinions about the world, about social structure, and about respect, we don't need to hear from you, okay? That kid was out of line. There's no way that you could tell me he was right. It doesn't matter. It, I got it. It bears repeating. It doesn't matter. Okay. Respect begets respect, and disrespect begets disrespect. Or in Cam Newton's situation, when he was disrespected, he trolled this kid. It got so uncomfortable that the kid couldn't even look Cam in the eye. He couldn't answer the question. The coach had to get involved. And we got to understand in this era, we need to program our kids better. They don't understand the dynamic of child and adult anymore. They're losing that, that dynamic and they get into situations where now millions of people are judging you. This kid, Joseph Owens, I shouldn't know his name. Had to like deactivate his social media or he had to like change his Twitter or, or go to a backup Twitter. Whatever the situation was, his main page was deactivated for a while because people were flooding his comments, attacking him because of his own foolishness. But you know what? I'm going to keep you here. I don't want to go on and on and on droning about Cam. We got a fire NBA show on the way. Snotty Dripping is on deck. You know, I got him off of Twitter yet again. He shoots at me on Twitter, but I don't care. We might even spar on here. Let's get into the show. The NBA season is approaching this midpoint, and we've had some surprises, we've had some disappointments, and honestly, I'm surprised certain coaches aren't on the hot seat. But this is the gray area, and I am your host, Ray Jarvis. Showtime! Woo! Returning, we have a friend of the show, a gentleman that I, I won't lie, I sometimes enjoy upsetting him on Twitter because his responses are super funny to me, but he's knowledgeable about the game, he takes it seriously, he's not one of these guys that's going to beat you over the head with analytics, but he uses it when he sees fit. I have the homie, Snotty Drippin', back in the gray area. Welcome back, bro. 
What's up, man? Thanks for having me on. I don't know why you lie to the people. Um, because I do not take the NBA seriously. My team is a, my team is a dumpster fire. And uh, this now, nah, honestly, this season I, I haven't been taking very seriously because you know there's so many other extenuating circumstances. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, yeah, man, it's good to, good to be on talk a little basketball. Hey, I mean, I'm I'm looking at this season as kind of bubble adjacent because the NBA is so crowd driven that. Even though teams are traveling and you do have that aspect, these empty arenas or 75% empty arenas, it just, it's not the same. So even seeing certain guys shoot better, certain teams performing ahead of expectations, you know, I'm I'm not fully buying it. I'm glad to see arenas, but this still isn't like the NBA NBA for me. Right, because I mean, so many things are just different. Um, like you, the main thing right now is like, uh, they cancel games and games are being postponed and uh you know teams are having guys sit because of the COVID-19 protocol right and uh, yeah playing in an empty arena is just different it's just different like you now the, the, the fan like LeBron said it himself the, the fan interaction he misses it uh just the energy of the crowd for the home team you know uh the the hostility of the crowd for the away team it's it's just completely different man so Facts. like uh in good ways and bad ways so maybe they cancel out you got a team like Toronto that's playing, and you know mm-hmm. they're ba- they're basically unhoused all season, right? They, they, they have no home. quote unquote home, right? So, um, yeah, it's just a, a season of very weird happenings right now. I mean, speaking of weird happenings, as a Laker fan, I'm not gonna lie to you. I enjoy watching the Celtics and not live up to expectations, but I'm a little confused about why they're not living up to expectations. You follow the team, you you live and die with the Celtics. What's wrong with that team? And I don't blame you for enjoying it. I quite enjoy the fact that uh, the Lakes are having a mini tailspin yeah, right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, embarrassing loss to the Wizards. Mm. Uh, you know, a couple mm. embarrassing losses here. But, but I can't even enjoy it because we suck. <laughs> Facts. Uh, you know what? The big thing is, uh, sooner or later, the talent drain catches up to you, right? Okay. Uh, from Kyrie to to uh, to Kemba Walker, it's a it's a downgrade. Yeah, and Kemba gets hurt. No, no, Kemba's no. not a, he, he, yeah, Kemba's not his normal self. He's hurt. That's you know that's all. That's a that's a that's a that's a downgrade. Yeah. Um, Al Horford left left for nothing. And sure, Daniel Tice stepped up admirably, but when before you had both of them, now you got one of them. Um, Gordon Hayward, you know, in True. and out of the lineup last season. And so this is the thing people don't understand. You can survive the loss of a Gordon Hayward in the regular season. No biggie. Even in the bubble, right? Uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown played outstanding. And they made up for the loss of Gordon Hayward. You can mask that for short stretches. But we're seeing right now, you know, now you've lost a, a guy who was averaging almost 17-4-4 and last season in Gordon Hayward. And he's just Facts. gone. And nothing replaced him. And that's, that's what happens. They have a giant Gordon Hayward-sized hole in their roster. They lost versatility. They lost 17 points a game. They lost strong, uh, versatile defense. And, you know, now now this season, Marcus Smart's out with that uh, the ankle, and Boston really just has a lot of holes in the roster. All right, so let I me ask you this. Like, the, yeah, casual, the casual fan would say, all right, we, they lost those guys, but Jalen Brown has made another leap. Jason Tatum has made another leap. Shouldn't those two pillars be enough to keep the Celtics afloat, or is it, you know, an issue of depth? And that's exactly what it is because you can have two guys playing at the level, but when your team is designed and your scheme is designed, you know you need more than that, right? I mean, that's that's they're combining for let's say almost 55, 60 points a game. Well, you need to score at least one one hundred five, one ten, one fifteen to win. Kemba Walker is a career twenty plus point per game scorer, and he's averaging Facts. like a career low, like sixteen, seventeen points a game, and he's shooting horribly. Right. Mm-hmm. Last year, a big part of their attack was Kemba. Um, he, he he weaponized the pull up three. Right. He can come off a screen or just come on the break. Right. And he 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 shot an exceptional percentage, just you know, on pull up threes, and that that stretches out the defense, and that's a cascading effect. Now the defense can't collapse. The defense is always on high alert. Now defense could pack the lane because they're not worried about Kemba. Um, Jason and Jalen will get theirs, but other than that. The step down from talent from Jason and Jalen and, and, you know, when, at his best Kemba to the next tier of players is so fast in uh, Boston. It makes a difference. Every team needs a guy like, uh, I don't know, Garrett Temple. Yeah. Um, 
uh, you need those mid-level type players who could just uh, like, like a Dennis Schroeder, right? Dennis Schroeder's not on the level of a Jason Tatum no. Brown, but he's not he's not on the lower level like a, a Pritchard. Mm. So teams need those mid-level vets to kind of eat minutes and, and, and do things, and Boston still doesn't have those guys when Marcus Smart's out. Okay, so I'll tell you this. A few of the Celtics fans I know, I'm hearing them talk about they need a big. I'm hearing them say they're ready to pack Brad Stevens up. <laughs> I'm hearing a whole different perspective from you, however. Um, but what I'm not hearing from anyone right now is pack Dan- Danny Ainge up. Are, are we not getting this guy out of here? He's, in my opinion at least, I feel like he's fumbled the bag with the assets you've had and the players that he's lost for free. So why are we yelling to get Danny Ainge the hell up out of here? You know what? You're saying that, but Ainge went on a uh, local uh, a Boston radio station said mm-hmm. it himself. He was very much to blame. It's going to be me. Okay. I built this roster. Uh, and it's true. I mean, it's just that's just the truth. We don't know exactly what happened with Gordon Hayward. Um, you know, it was you know the, the, the everyone knows about the the word is that they could have flipped him for Miles Turner and whatever mm-hmm. else, but that still requires him as a free agent to sign that contract. Right. And if the money wasn't right, which this is my hypothesis, uh, Charlotte came in at the last minute and said, "Hey, dude, look, we'll give you this much. We'll they gave him thirty million dollars a year. No one else was going to give him that much. I don't think any I want to give him that much. Damn near so." Right, if, they, if, they, if that's the case, no matter what Danny Ainge wanted to do about trading him for Miles Turner, Gordon Hayward said, "Nah, I don't want that. I'm just gonna sign here outright." Hmm. So, um, yeah, but still, Danny Ainge, like, hey, there was talk about Danny Ainge moving Gordon Hayward last trade deadline. He didn't do it. Um, same thing with Kyrie. To talk about what he should have done with Kyrie before he can yeah. walk, he didn't do it. So there's there's uh, there's enough mounting evidence when you go from a team of you know two or three possible all-stars and Gordon and uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to what they have now with very little to show for it asset wise. There's a good question. Hey, look at the, um, the, the most indicative thing to me. We saw that kid Bay in Detroit beat the hell out of Boston. Yeah. And the, the word was he worked out for Boston, had a real good workout and they went with Neesmith instead. Sheesh. You know what I'm saying? So like <laughs> sooner or later, you got to start hitting on those, yeah, those first round picks, and sure, Pritchard looks good, but they missed on a lot of guys. They missed on a lot of guys. So. You know what? I, I won't lie to you. I I was surprised that Gordon Hayward walked. I know what he came to Boston to be and what it panned out being. It didn't work out. But when the season ended, I didn't say Gordon's out of there. I, I thought they'd run it back. They got to the conference finals. They ran into a, a hot bubble heat team. I figured if they if they brought this team right back, added a couple of tweaks, they'd be right back in the mix. So I guess my question to you would be like, based on your knowledge of the team, were you surprised that Gordon left? Or this was an expectation of yours heading into the offseason? I wasn't surprised when he left, especially when I heard the money that Charlotte threw out. Okay. Because, yeah, I knew he was going to opt out. Uh, I think they owed him like $35 million yeah. that last year, and I knew he wanted more money. Uh, you know, or he wanted a longer term deal. And I figured Boston would have came with the, you know, let's say they he opts out. And they, they, I thought they'd go off from $25 million a year, mm-hmm. you know, three years, 75. That that would have been fair yeah. in my mind. So with, uh, he got that deal Fact. from Charlotte. It was a done deal. I knew I was over with. So I, I wasn't shocked when he left. Um, cause I knew that he came to Boston to be a featured, you know, uh, one, a one, you know, or, you know, at least secondary type player. And by the time he got healthy at the end of last season, he was like third or fourth in the pecking order. And that's hard for a veteran guy to take. I understand. That's not what he signed up for. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, I guess it's, it's funny that the residual effects of having an unexpected conference finals run in 2018 is the fact that it led to the two guys you brought in to to lead the franchise for the next decade kind of ended up taking back seats and gotten their feelings and went elsewhere it's funny you don't always see that in sports but they got there and then boston decided you know what you guys are cool we got these young guys we're gonna move on instead i mean i'm not mad at either player for moving on but personally i won't lie on this show and on other pods i was super over on that boston team i thought that team had championship potential and seeing that now gordon and Kyrie are gone it's like wow snake big gordon you know what happened with his ankle the first night as a celtic officially this is crazy to see you don't usually see things pan out this way and we know Kyrie. we understand what happened we'll get into that later but the lakers man uh you know this is the first time in a long time i could be an arrogant laker fan and look at a three-game losing streak and not care i understand ad is out i think if schroeder was available to us these losses wouldn't have taken place but 
I'm looking at the basketball. It's documented. I'm not a LeBron guy, but you know what? He he's, he's won me over just a tad. He got us a championship. Cool. I can't talk too crazy, but <laughs> it kills me. Trust me. It kills me sometimes because I really want to talk nasty and I have to be appreciative now. It bothers me to my core, but I'm looking at this particular Laker team. This is not last year's group. I actually think the LeBron-centric pounding the ball that he's been doing. I would say since the finals last year, he's been pounding the ball a lot more. I think LeBron needs to relax. I think when Schroeder gets back, LeBron needs to get, you know, let some of these other guys cook because the Lakers' offense is kind of stagnant. A lot of these guys are not getting their rhythm the way they would like to get into their rhythm. We saw that with AD, one being out of shape, two, LeBron dominating the ball even more than we're accustomed to. I think LeBron needs to take a step back. I think the minutes are getting a little too high, and I'd like to see Schroeder run the offense. Braun, he's been beating people up in the post. He's finally listen, listening to people who say, get in the post, use your body, be the freak of nature we know you are, and relax. I think Kuz can get off a little more. I think Wes Matthews has suffered from this. I think a lot of guys can benefit from LeBron doing less point guard LeBron. How do you feel when I say that? Uh, I'm going to say that it's a chicken or the egg thing. Ah. Uh. Because I, I remember early in the season, right? I've been, I always thought that, like, this is, the, this is the thing about being, uh, you know, about the Lakers. People are going to watch him, hate him or love him. And I hate him, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch him. <laughs> I, I remember tangentially watching early on in the season. There was, a, there was a little period where they would get behind or play close games with mediocre or bad teams. And then there would be a late push where LeBron would, he would start facilitating, start scoring, right. and they win these games. Um, there were games where Anthony Davis, for whatever reason, has three, four rebounds and 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 shoots twenty percent from the, you know just doesn't shoot well. And right. you kind of like you know there was even a little sports talk radio where we need more out of Anthony Davis. We thought he could come back and be an MVP caliber player this year, and he hasn't been. And let's be real, he hasn't been. There was games where Anthony Davis just kind of coasted. Um, so LeBron and look, LeBron likes to win. I know it's a, it's the regular season, and he doesn't really stress it. And when what, like that year in Cleveland when they were kind of they were kind of bad until they made a bunch of moves this season. Like you know he, he was posting too, but LeBron wants to win and he, I know he wants his MVP. Um, and that's the thing when Anthony Davis went out, the talk was well this is where LeBron James makes his real MVP case, right? right? And, and so the chicken and the egg thing is it because LeBron James dominated the ball or does LeBron James feel the game slipping? We know LeBron's a, he's an intelligent player. Yeah, he he's great at reading a game. He's great when he wants to get his teammates set up. He'll set them up. And then if he wants to dominate score, he can score. So is it LeBron James dominating the game? Or is LeBron James feeling the game slip away and saying, well, I, I want to win. So I'm going to dominate the game. You know mm, what I mean? That's, that's a outside, of Dennis Ruder, outside of Dennis Schroeder, like who who really can – like I, I know you, like you're saying Kuzma. Kuzma's hurt. You're saying like it's a chicken of the egg. Is Kuzma struggling because LeBron doing it? Or is Kuzma struggling and LeBron seeing him struggle and feeling that struggle and saying, okay, I'm going to take that slack up. You know uh -huh. what I mean? Here's what I'll say. I don't mind LeBron scoring. Like, I think that this guy, as much as he loves to tell us, I'm not a scorer, you're a scorer. You you, you get yours, bro. <laughs> you average like 25 almost every year or more. It, it's, just, it's the offensive possessions where he's just standing at the top of the key or he's near the wing extended and he's just pounding, pounding, pounding. There's no activity. No one is cutting. There's no motions. There's no nothing. I know some of that is coaching as well. I feel like I remember a year ago when the season was in flow, we had a lot more active bodies in the half-court offense. Even Anthony Davis, to your point, he came into this season super out of shape. He's blaming the bubble. Other guys were in shape, Anthony. So what were you doing after you won the championship? Just eating and going to sleep? I feel like him being out of shape and I and the, the overabundance of trust that Vogel has in LeBron, which is not a bad thing, but I think it can work against you. You know, you know, I, I kind of want passive-aggressive LeBron right now. You do it. You guys get, get in gear. Like, y'all can't keep depending on me to bail you out because he is 36 and you know what as much as people say he's beating father time i don't want lebron playing 40 plus minutes right now when the season ends in july like absolutely not so i think we we need a change that's why i'm i'm, I'm feeling for schroeder to get back i know schroeder can get his own bucket the offense looks a little different when lebron goes to the bench and they put the ball in schroeder's hands i think that these guys need to get a, a little bit of a rhythm i'd like to see more from taylor horton tucker because as much as people love caruso caruso is an energy guy. He he's no different from any other LeBron teammate from other stops. Shoot, shoot it, Booby, Della Vadova, uh, the kid with the high top in Miami whose name escapes me right now. There's there's uh, Norris Cole. There's there's always guys that he has that he elevates just by being next to them. But there's pl players who are talented. Do I think that they need to be a little more involved and they can't get as much involved with one guy 
24 seconds in the shot clock. He's dribbling for like 16 of it. Even the Laker announced team has been pointing out that LeBron is pounding the ball a lot. And when the announcers, the, the biased home announcers are complaining about this, there's something wrong there. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I think I, I have proof, like the fact that when LeBron sits, the like the offense just goes into a, a toilet. Mm. Like, so it, if he if they can't do it with him off the floor, you know, why would he sit on the floor and watch them still not do it? You know what I mean, chicken um, or the egg. <laughs> and, and, and again, I think a lot of the Lakers actually probably feel this right. Well, you know, nothing the Lakers do really matters until the playoffs. Right. They know that. Like, it's 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 a long game they're playing. Um, and that's the thing when you get veteran teams. To get to keep them engaged and to keep them focused during the regular season, especially when they know they have a safety net like LeBron James and Anthony Davis, it's hard to keep guys engaged and keep them fully focused. Because right. I mean, they know it's like this is all cool, but we all we care about is what happens when playoffs start. You know, it, so it sounds like you're I, saying the Lakers fans to just chill out. That's what I'm hearing from you right now. I mean, look, you got two top five players on the same team. Mm-hmm. One one's hurt right now. He should be fine when Facts. he comes back. So. You're you're down to one one superstar, um, and we know LeBron James still looks a lot the same, but there are certain parts of his game where he probably throttles back a little bit to get his rest and conserve himself. So it is what it is, man. Like yeah, what this, I, I if I I don't as, as a Celtics fan looking up at you guys, like there's no reason to stress. <laughs> as an NBA fan looking at the Lakers, because Lakers are still the odds-on favorite to win it all. Because everyone knows when you get to the playoffs. It's really hard to beat LeBron James four out of seven games. Yeah. When you give yeah. a guy like Anthony Davis, who's healthy, yeah. it's going to be really hard to beat those two. For, and then you start, you get them real shooting. Um, Danny Green looked like he lost a lot. West Matthews lost a lot. But in the playoffs, they both, they're both battle tested. I mean, look uh, at what KCP know. did in the playoffs last year. And I hate the guy. And he made me shut the hell up in the postseason. Yeah, exactly. So LeBron James can elevate his teammates in short spurts, still the way he used to for whole seasons. And, you know, what, the, the, I think that's the main the, – the, if I'm the Lakers, I'm thinking all this is to get everybody – keep everybody healthy, keep everybody fresh as, as possible as far as every, all the role players. LeBron James is a, is, a, is a machine. And then get to the playoffs and let LeBron do, do what he does. Say no more. You know, you talking nice about the Lakers, you know. I, I got to be I real. Like I, got, I, I was, you know, last year I, I listened to all the talking heads say the nonsense. Oh, Portland might be them. They look, they look vulnerable. Uh, the Clippers are going to challenge us. Denver, they look vulnerable. Denver said, and, and every, hey, LeBron James tore them all down. Listen. So it is what it is. You know, we, we can talk. I think a lot of people are looking at LeBron James and what he does. Um, it's, it, it's never been done before. This True. late in the career, this many times, this many years, he's playing a level no one's ever seen from a player his age. You know, this got this kind of mileage. So everything he does is like groundbreaking. So it's, it's, you know, he's, he's rewriting like the script, the man. He's rewriting the script. Oh, go talk. I mean, I, I got to be real. To me, Mike is always going to be the goat. Okay. But LeBron James. No, hey, I can't. I, 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 I say that, but then I say I look at LeBron James' resume, mm-hmm. and the only thing that's keeping me from from saying that he has an actual shot or is in the comment is the fact that you know, in my head, it's just it. It's kind of almost cemented. It's okay. almost like me. It's almost like you just kind of. I don't know. It's it, it, look. If somebody came if nowadays, if somebody tells LeBron James to go. I don't even argue because they they can they can back up. They have it. Everything they need to back it up. True. Which you you know who I think the goat is. I, <laughs> I'm not gonna say it though. But you know who I think the goat is. Oh man, the Utah Jazz. I'm not buying them. We gonna get straight to the point. I like it's it's a nice story. I like what the basketball looks like. These guys are in sync. They have played for years together. They know where each other's gonna be. They survived COVID gate with Rudy Gobert and and, and uh, Donovan Mitchell. So it looks like they are turning the corner. But I think this is that bubble that Jason team that's taking advantage of the situation at the right time, and they have the right group of players who have the history together to do so. Uh, the offense is there, the coaching is there, but I honestly, when I look at them and the years I've watched basketball, I still see them as second round exit. Am I bugging? What do you think about that? Um, so if Donovan Mitchell keeps playing like the superstar, he look he looks like he's mm-hmm. such a supreme shot maker. Fact. Um, and he's like, you know, again, he's battle tested now. He's got his, he's got his reps as a superstar, as a, as a leading man. Mike Conley's that perfect steady vet who can also, you know, erupt for 25 or 30 on, right. on, a, on you leave him open, he's hitting threes. Rudy Gobert, look, you, I, I think the big thing with Rudy was how people, teams could play him off the floor. I don't know if that's possible anymore, especially, you know, 
he he does a good enough job now where as far as containing ball penetration right, that right. you know there's no, there's no Houston Rockets for Golden State Warriors just to, to blow him off the floor anymore. So um, but I think in the playoffs a lot of times it comes down to who had what team had the best two players on the floor. Right. And so it's going to be LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. A guy like uh, what's what's the dude's name? Uh, Royce O'Neal. Like he's not going to really matter in the playoff series. Because he's not stopping LeBron James, and he's not really going to make them worry on offense. So basically, you got LeBron James, and Anthony Davis, and then you know Rudy Gobert versus Donovan Mitchell, and I think that's 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 no contest. I don't I don't right? think their two is better than Murray and Jokic either. If I'm being honest, um, we know I think they can go toe to toe with them. Oh yeah, and absolutely. We, we know that we know that uh, Murray at his absolute best is mm-hmm. one of like you know hey murray at least you say you guarantee me give me murray at his best for a seven game series almost right now toe-to-toe against anybody because we see him he's explosive yeah, yeah but we also he also can disappear for long stretches too mm-hmm. so um I, I i you know donovan went shot for shot with him almost in that series so you know but yeah so uh again i got i think the key there is bogdanovich yeah and hey, him and if him, if him and Joe Ingles can just make shots, which they can, off of the gravity of Joe, uh, yeah, of, uh, the applied pressure the Breeze Arena, right? So yeah, if 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 you can you take away, you know, you, you collapse on Donovan Mitchell, and you got those guys raining threes, that they're tough, they're really tough. I, I like that that game against um, who they played on that Charlotte. That that game to me was a, was evidence of how tough they can be because it was Facts. a close game and this I know I blinked literally Gordon Hayward got hurt I blinked and they're up they're up 20 like it, it happened in a blink so um, yeah, I mean yeah. you're right and in this era where the three point shot is exaggerated it's meaning the spacing the kind of players that they have but I just with the guys like not even Joe Ingles so much but a guy like Bogdanovich like I, I, I'm not buying him in the playoffs I'm not afraid of him in the playoffs at all like I feel like he's gonna get the lemon booty in the playoffs I'm not worried about him you know the 200 million dollar big man go bear eh. I don't know if you knew this but when Bogdanovich was with, he was with Indiana and Victor Oladipo got hurt mm-hmm. He was averaging like almost twenty five and five. He can play. We, we not front on him. The boy, the boy is good. But I'm not scared of him when the money's on the line. Is all I'm saying. I, I would understand it if he, he didn't have to like because you don't have to be scared of him. You will be scared of Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Right. And Mike Conley is a vet who's doing a thing. True. So you're worried about those two. But if, if you if you contain those two, who's going to deal with Bogdanovich? That's the thing. That's where it comes. Uh, that's what I'm saying. It's the he old Golden State kind of argument player. Right, because, sure, Le- hey, LeBron and Anthony Davis over, you know, Donovan and, and Rudy Gobert, any day, any day. But then you got a player of Bogdanovich's. So the question is, can uh, can uh, Kuzma step up and play to that level? Right. You know what I mean? So, there's no Rondo. Right. Shout out to Rondo. There's no Rondo on his team this year to bail us out of situations when we get when it gets out. That, that, that was a big deal, man. Playoff Rondo was a weird thing. And yeah. you no, know, people said Schroeder's gonna step in and do the same thing. He's see not that. the same. He's not the same. I don't know if Schroeder's built like that. Like I you know what? I talked bad about Rondo all last season. He made me eat my words because in those series, especially in those swing games. When Rondo got on the floor, we made big runs. He made big defensive and offensive plays. LeBron was comfortable allowing Rondo to be the guy as far as running the offense and playing off the catch. Because LeBron doesn't do that for everybody, but he did it for Rondo. So I guess to your point about the others we're talking about, it's going to come down to the others. We got elite pillars. But yeah, I mean, you 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 swinging me here. If, if, if Bogdanovich has 10 feet between him and the next defender and he has a three-point shot, it's going to be hard to say I'm not afraid of him when you're giving a professional shooter that much space. But I guess time will tell and we're going to see. A team that's... Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, last thing I'm saying, yeah, and then you rotate into him and you still got Joe Ingles. Yeah. Like 45%. yeah and, and, hey, Joe Ingles is not a great player. He, but he's no sucker, but, though. He's going to show up. I'm going to say that's the difference between a team like the Celtics right now. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're playing guys like Grant Williams and, uh, you know, Shemi Ojale, these yeah. guys who on, on, on a good team would be the eighth and ninth guy. Right. And a team like Utah, because Joe Ingles is their fourth or fifth best player, but on Boston, he'd be like their third best player. You know what I'm saying? On any given night. Before you move on, I I had loosely mentioned that some Celtics fans want a big. Are you sold in that, or would you prefer like a 3 and D guy? On who? On the Celtics. Um... I mean, I, I, they, 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 they got a lot of holes in that roster, man. Okay. They, need, they, need more, they need more shooting off the bench. They definitely could use another wing, uh, like, you know, a, a, either to back up Jalen and Jason or play on, on the court and have all three. 
Um, they definitely need to upgrade the center position because somebody Tristan Thompson. Just, I, I think a big thing is Robert Williams needs to play more. Yeah. He just needs to play more. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of holes in that roster. I would love to see a guy like Harrison Barnes. That yeah, you know what? You're, that's what I was thinking personally. I'd like to see another six eight guy on the Celtics who can get a shot, play a little defense. I think when I when I look at them play, I'm like they could use one more of those. That's that's what I think. Because like, last year it was all about versatility. That's mm-hmm. that's what got them through. You know, they they could they could put out these three guys, switch everything in the perimeter, put Marcus Smart in the mix. You got four guys switch every, put Tice in the mix. You got five guys who can switch everything on the perimeter. And like lock you up. And this year the defense has been atrocious. Yeah. Man, look, Boston, you know what? I like the league when Boston is good. I will talk nice. I feel like the that's one of the teams that the league, the watching experience is better when the Celtics are good. So they need to tighten up. Get it get this together, Boston. But to the Dallas Mavericks. I'm one of those who thought that Luca got too much praise of the MVP talk. You know, he's really good. Don't get it twisted. It's not that I'm saying he's not as good as advertised. But the MVP talk, we, we, we got Dallas going to the conference finals. They're going to push the Lakers, whatever whatever the hot takes were. I didn't think they would be this, though. I, I'm hearing Dallas fans, when I comment creep, they call it and they're saying the team is sorry. They're they trying to shop Chris Stapps Porzingis and get him out of there. What, like, I, I thought that Chris Stapps and, and Luka would be a match made in heaven. The, their games, uh, the, the spacing, so on and so forth. The right coach with the forward-thinking offense. Like, is it just defense? Is it a chemistry issue? Like, what do you think is wrong with the Mavericks? So, I'm not going to... Um, Luca. I mean, I doubted him when he got drafted. Okay. I Me too. thought he... Dis- Facts. He dispelled everything I thought the last couple of years. This season, I'm I'm, I'm pretty surprised that they're as bad as they are. Um, I know, and again, there's a lot of wonkiness because of COVID and guys missing, they postponed, you know, in and out the line. I get it. But his impact just doesn't seem to be the same. Um, and you got like Dame Lillard who's dealing with the same issues, and they're still in the mix. So um, yeah, I, I don't know what it is, man. I think maybe we overrated uh, Porzingis a little bit. Mm-hmm. I know he's back and still working his way back in shape. That's but that's a struggle for them. Um, honestly, and this is going to sound crazy because you know he averaged in average last year. Seth Curry, Seth Curry uh-huh. as a secondary playmaker and as a shooter and. Like, that's a guy I would love to have in Boston, right? Because he, he he's low maintenance, doesn't need the ball. He's smart. He makes the right pass. He has that, you know, look, that's, and he got that DNA from yeah. Dale Curry. His brother got it. His brother's like the, the ultimate, but Steph, Seth Curry is a smart player. He's big on the wing. He's not a small guard. He can shoot it, like, you know, shoot lights out. He's a, a really good player. So I think losing him uh, is is kind of... And he's scrappy. You know, people yeah. don't talk about that enough. He's really scrappy. Yeah, it's not the only thing, obviously, right? And uh, But it's definitely a, a part of it. Uh, Porzingis, it, it, his, his, will, his unwillingness to mix up in the middle at his size mm-hmm. really hurts them, I think. Um, yeah, the defense is just... Dwight Powell being out hurt them a lot, yeah. so... Maybe they write the ship in the second half of the season, but yeah, they just. Uh, I, I I'm with you though. I'm enjoying it because you know they, they kind of anointed Luca. Yeah. I heard uh, some national guys saying he's he could probably you know when, when it's all said and done he could be the best player to ever play in the NBA. Oh, I so, never heard that one. I'd have lost. Oh my yeah, mind. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll find the tweet for you, man. One of one of some one of those. And you know what, man? I said this on Twitter a couple days ago. The NBA discourse has been dom- has been taken over by dorks. Oh, and talk about it! Facts. Oh so, my god! <laughs> I was listening to a I was listening to a national podcast today when the dude said, "I swear to you, this I almost turned off the, the podcast." I've never really been a fan of watching Kyrie Irving's style of play, and then in his next breath, he he started waxing poetic about how he missed young Draymond and his scrappiness. Like, dog, what is what? happening? What? So I'm not. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> I'm not even gonna get that podcast to shine for what they said. But and to his credit, his co his co host actually said the same thing. Like, what are you talking about, man? So like this is you, you know what? And and you know as much as I love what analytics does for the game, when you open that door, you're letting everyone in, and some of them don't need to talk about basketball because because it's getting taken over by the nerds. No offense. Certain things or certain takes it. It kind of removes the emotion and the swag, the sauce of the NBA. 
when you say things like that. Like, all right, you want a scrappy Draymond, but you have an issue with Kyrie like that? So, so what were you upset about Iverson 20 years ago? You'd have hated him too? I don't understand. But Luca, best player in the league? Absolutely not. It, did, he, did he shut up a lot of people who thought he'd be too slow to play in today's game? Yeah. But... I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out how the hell Luca does it. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. He's not the most athletic guy. He's 6'8". He can shoot over people. The handle is not saucy like that. I look at him play and I'm like, how? Maybe I'm a hater, but I still see Hito Turkoglu. I'm not going to lie to you, man. Well, I mean, Hito never averaged, you know, almost 30 and, you know, 8. You're right. So um, maybe that's hate. It, it's a little bit of hate because, I mean, because look, after the first year, cool. Second year, he was even better. And now the guy, you know, teams had the tape on him. He was still doing it. There's a certain something. And that's the thing, right? Stars, I think NBA stars have a, a certain something, right? Right. But at, at the other spectrum, there's a, there's a large gulf between saying, okay, this guy's not going to make it. He already just proved that. Okay. Being an all-star, which he is. And, uh, you know, you could say, you could, if you want to say Lucas Top is a superstar, yeah. you can't really argue with that. That's fine. But the difference between that level and saying best player ever and that kind of hyperbole just pisses me off. Oh, absolutely. Because he hasn't done enough to even warrant that type of conversation. Even the LeBron. Other than, is a, other, than, hey, other than rack up big numbers yeah. and have a couple, you know, he, he had some great shots. I give him that. Now, listen, this is my thing, though. Luke, this is the funny thing. Luka Doncic's been in the league three years now. I think he's like a career 31% three-point shooter. Right. Maybe this year, I think this year, for the most part, he's been shooting under 30% on like seven or eight threes a night, which is high volume. That's low efficiency. It's terrible efficiency, but guess what? Not a peep. Mm. And I'm thinking about if Russell Westbrook shot seven threes a night at 28%, what would be said? And it's just, it's, it's fascinating to watch how national discourse around certain players, you know, is, is, is or is not according to how how the how the writers feel about the player true and because he's built up that equity they're gonna give him a pass but let him say the wrong thing or or get a little shady with chris Stapps on the way out they'll they'll dog him because they're not Which even talking about though, the fact like, Go ahead. like you said earlier you said earlier like what has he done he's right. done nothing to build up that equity just you be white I mean? let's call it what it is you know when the good white player pulls up they go crazy Hey man, I'm like, you know that, and so you know people talk like some people got offended by this, but no, that that the the, the mostly white and the mostly white media is going to look that the great white hope uh, phenomenon. That's real. Yeah, that's real, and it, we, we all like to see people succeed that look like us. That's, that's just it's a that's it's a fact. fact. That's a fact, absolutely. And so you know, and you know, there's been articles written where when's where's the great aware, uh, American white ba- basketball player? Mm-hmm. What happened to white basketball player? Like it's people ask these like, people ask these questions, and so I, I do. And while Luca has lived up and exceeded all expectations, I think there is a certain subsect of writer and media and even fan who you know maybe they pull for him harder than they would if he wasn't. True. And I mean, you know what? We're not knocking it. Don't get it twisted. I, I, when no, I say because he's white, it's only because they want to gravitate towards that energy. They want one of their own. But but when you watch it, you're like, all right, he's good. But like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Like, come on now. LeBron? Like, he doesn't deserve the LeBron comparisons. Let, let's let's work on James Harden first. Let's stay somewhere in that vicinity before we say he's the next LeBron. He's going to be the next guy. His game mimics this guy. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. No. No, maybe I'm becoming an old hater, but that's fine. I feel like you still need to win a little bit more before the comp- the comparisons get attached to your name. That's it. I think we got a, we got a little interference going on here, bro. I, I don't know you got some scratching going on there. Oh, am I, like, am I, am I good now? Yeah, you're good now. Oh, I, when you I didn't hear it. It, it wasn't on my end. I didn't hear it. Maybe I knocked something getting too emotional about Luca and his situations. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I'm looking at his, hey, man, I'm looking at his numbers. The guy's averaging 29 and 9 mm-hmm. this year, like. I mean, but numbers, numbers, it it ain't the what, it's the how, you know, how, like, how are you getting it? And again, if you're shooting this percentage, that means that you're taking X amount of shots. It means it's X amount of empty possessions that could have gone a different kind of way. And that leads to these losses. And let alone defense, does does Luca play any real defense to speak of? I'm not Uh, sure. Absolutely not. And and I will say this. Now, I don't want, so people don't say I'm a hater. His last 10 games, he's shooting 41%. Okay. All right. So he's been been playing better. He's making shots now. He's been playing a little better. So I guess let's see if the second half of the season they can turn around. But as of right now, yeah. But you don't got to qualify that because when he was shooting like 22% on step back threes, no one talked about it. So nah, he going to hold these rip shots. That's fine. 
You know, but you know, we, we, we get into the stretch run before I let you go. We, we got a couple of rapid fire topics that I want to throw you away. Your okay. man's my guy, Kyrie Irving. He's he's playing nice. He took his little sabbatical. He he seems to be happy again. The Brooklyn Nets are winning games. Is is this sustainable? Are we about to see a big run from the Brooklyn Nets, especially when KD gets back, or is this just another episode in the KD Kyrie Harden soap opera? Uh, the big thing with Kyrie every year is going to be health. Okay, can he stay healthy? Uh, I think last year he was playing really well for um for for Brooklyn mm-hmm. before he got hurt. Uh, the year before, uh, even in Boston, he played pretty well, but then he lost a big chunk of the season with injuries. Yeah. So, um, I think Kyrie's always been a top five, top ten type talent. Um, for whatever reason, it hasn't always translated to wins on the court. Now we're seeing what happens when you know. I think maybe he's learned some lessons and he's actually you know, hey, players get better to get older, and Fact. Kyrie is right square in his prime. So we are seeing the the best version of Kyrie that we've seen. Yes, um, I got you to talk I, nice about Kyrie and the Lakers on this episode. God is good. Hey man, look, I've never, I, I've never questioned his talent. <laughs> I, I have questioned, and look, he's in a perfect situation because I don't think Kyrie is good enough to be that guy Fair. on a team winning championship. But with Kevin Durant in town oh, yeah. and James Harden riding shotgun, now you got him playing second, third banana, and you can't leave either one of those other two guys, and you can't leave Joe Harris. Like they can put rosters on, they can put a team on the floor where you're going to guarantee Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving single coverage. You can't double any of them, so that makes him that much more deadly. And obviously, you know what? Players they hear the talk mm-hmm. and they know how people look at him. So I think Kyrie also knows he has a lot to prove now, right? It's been years since LeBron left. He hasn't done much. He hasn't done anything really of note since LeBron left on his own. So he wants to. This means a lot to him now. Oh, I'm yeah. pretty sure. He, you know what? I'm a Kyrie stan. I'll admit it. But at the same time, some guys are Bobby Brown. Some guys are Ralph Trefson. It, it is what it is. I don't I don't think he's Kyrie's Bobby Brown. But, you know, that's OK. That's, I still love him all the same. That's it. Yeah, that's it. I think, and I think he lo- he sees himself as Bobby Brown. Mm. Um, and he always probably will. And, he, you know, Kyrie's a different kind of cat. He thinks different. He he, he carries himself different. So, um, Yes, I think this is, you know, a finals of bust for the Nets. Absolutely, they, absolutely. They, they can't, especially in New York, because trust me, if they flame, especially if they flame out out here, they're going to get fried by the tabloid. So we're going to see. I'd like to see them get to the finals because it'll be good theater. Uh, you know, Michael Jordan has a pretty decent team. You know, Charlotte looks pretty good. They, they're, I would say they're a league pass team right now. Yeah, I like LaMelo Ball. I like the fact that he, you know, he's what we we hoped Lonzo would be walking in the door. He He's the goods. Rozier, free of whatever was going on in Boston, seems to be very comfortable in whatever role he asked of him. And, and Gordon Haywood. But, you know, this guy's balling on a level that I, I, I had two fantasy basketball drafts and I passed on him thinking, yeah, he might take a step back. I'm upset that I don't have Gordon Hayward on my team. So does Jordan finally start getting some love for putting a, a decent team together? Do, do we give him a little flowers, a petal or two? No? I guess my question would be like, I mean, how many years did it take? How oh. much? The same, no, no. The same way you talk about, uh, you know, build up equity. Like, mm-hmm. what has he done to build up his equity? So Jordan has been Facts. the opposite. He's been terrible for all these years. So, wait, what they say? Uh, a, a broken clock is right twice a day. Oh, you know what I mean? Because look, hey, it's I, absolutely it's worked out. Um, I, I've, I've always been a big Terry Rozier fan. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to see him leave, but again, I understood the money. Same thing with Gordon Hayward. The money with Boston. I, I told people he wasn't washed. I was arguing with the Utah fan the other day. who said that oh, he wouldn't have mattered against the the Heat. I said, I know you don't like him, but the guy could play. Yeah. And so, um, Lamelo Ball had proved me wrong. So I'll say all that to say this: you are absolutely right. If any year we could always ridicule Michael Jordan every year for making some terrible decisions, we, we killed him about letting Kemba walk, blah blah. Well, maybe it wasn't the worst decision in the world because Kemba seemed like he's breaking down. Gordon Hayward has bounced back very nicely. Terry Rozier is playing at literally right now at an All Star level. Yep. Um, Lamelo Ball, which you know he was consensus number one pick, but yep. I didn't think he'd be this good this fast. And he's, you know, he's 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 taking the world by storm. Sometimes they went toe to toe with the Jazz other yesterday, and if it wasn't for an injury to Gordon Hayward, they probably it wouldn't have been a twenty point blowout. Nah. Um, so yeah, man, they're they're fun to watch. They're PJ, guys like PJ Washington, Miles Bridges. 
even a guy like Malik Monk is having a, like, a little resurgence. So yeah, man. If you we cannot criti- we, I'll say this, you can't kill Michael Jordan anymore for giving Gordon Hayward that money and for the, the movies he's made. They, they're, they're so far so good. That's fair. I agree. You know, put it this way. I won't I won't give him a rose or a petal or any kind of flowers, but there's some soil down. You know, we got some soil down. The sun is out. We we might have a little garden in a couple of years. I like the the infrastructure and the foundation that they have in place. I think, especially, you know, we love to say it, it's a cliche, but in the East, you know, a year or two with this group, they, they could be an annoying playoff exit. It could be a nice little second round playoff team before guys leave for greener pastures. Uh, I had a Bucks topic for you, but I feel like we need to get more in depth and let's see if they turn the corner before we start stepping on graves or anything around here. I'll ask you one last question. Draymond Green over the weekend bugged out again, lost his mind, cost Golden State a game because he caught a double tech with eight seconds left in the game. I would say the last year and a half, there's been tons of rumors, some of it clickbait, some of it true about a potential divorce with the Warriors and Draymond Green. Granted, the role he played in KD leaving, but I thought I feel like KD would have left whether Draymond said what he said or not because people be in their feelings. So my question to you would be is, is is it, you know, time to actually separate Draymond Green from Golden State? Or is it just we're going to live with this guy or we're going to die with this guy in Golden State? Let's think about I think the money he's owed, they're going to live with him. Okay, um, fair but, enough. Yeah, but money I talks. think he's making, he's making what, $25 million a year, almost $28 million or oh, something. Oh, yeah, they paid him. So, um, and, and look what he's doing this year. We all know, so Draymond is a strange player where he's he's a great, I call him connective tissue. Mm-hmm. You put three stars around Draymond and you let him just rebound and defend and, you know, be the be the agitator and the and be the, be the guy who kind of initiates offense and the energy guy. Mm-hmm. The all-star Boom. glue he, guy. He's he's worth every bit of that money. You put him with Steph Curry and a bunch of D League level players, and this is what you get. Yeah. So, um, no other team. I mean, I can't think of a of, of a team that's you know a top tier type team that would need a Draymond Green and be willing to take that kind of money. Um, I can't think of where that you know. I just, I just you don't think I, Brad I, could find some use for Dre in Boston playing devil's advocate here. Absolutely. You put him on the on the court with, with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, mm-hmm. you got something. I do think that. But again, we're, we're, t- we're already paying Kemba 30-something million. True. Tatum's uh, extension is going to kick in here soon. Uh, Brown's extension is going to kick in soon. So that's where it becomes a crunch. And again, Draymond Green's on, he's, he's, Draymond's on the wrong side of 30. I think he's already up there, right? He's like 31, yeah. 32. Yeah. He's, he's been a small ball big man for a couple of years. He spent a long time in college. I think there's a lot, of, a lot of tread on those miles. And mm-hmm. you kind of see it with the way he moves. There's times where he's a little creaky. He's not quite as uh, as fast twitch defensively as he was a couple years ago. He's still great, you know, for, in stretches, but you can see it. He, he gets blown by sometimes. He's not quite the defensive force he was, you know, back in 2017. So, um, yeah, it's it's tough looking at any team that has assets that, that Golden State will want. That'll make them better. So I think Golden State's probably that their ideas are they're gonna just kind of tread water for another year. They want to see Clay, Wiseman, Draymond, and Steph at least a little bit, you know, with Wiggins in that Wiggins at that Harrison Barnes role and try to recreate what they did in 2017, no, 16, yeah, 15, before they probably try to make a seismic move. Cause they they're already hemorrhaging money from cap space. Like they their, their cap number is tremendous with Clay out and all the money they spent on Wiggins and Draymond. Listen, they their didn't anticipate is- this. When they when they built that arena and, and the championships are rolling in, they didn't think that they would now be bleeding money with a new arena that's empty because of a pandemic and guys getting injured, an ACL, then an Achilles for Clay. It's rough out here, man. Absolutely. Those billionaires' pockets are getting tapped right now. Oh. So, which I don't care about, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think they're going to they're gonna tread water. They're going to just try another year, you know, finish, develop Wiseman as much as they can right now. Try to get Clay back in the fold next season and then roll with Steph, Clay, Dre. One more, hey, you know, one last charge probably with uh, Wiseman and whoever they could develop off that bench. What's the, what's the big guy's name? The, um, the power forward, he can jump a little bit. Um, whatever. Oh, the kid from the Suns. His name is he's hurt right now, though. Oh man, no, 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 not Marquise Chris. They got the the the. He was a rookie last year for them, and he he's all right. He's he's a big kind of strong brother. Like, what like Pascal? We talking about? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Pascal. Yes. There you go. So they're going to try you no know, whatever signs they can make in the summer. They're going to try to show up, get some veteran help on the bench. 
and they're going to make one more charge in the last next year. I think um, Steph is showing us that, you know, if he just has one guy who can truly take advantage of what he brings to the floor with the gravity that, that gets abused these days, Golden State is live. You know, if if they felt like making a deal this year, if the right deal came about, they'd be a, they'd be a tough out, I think, because Steph is showing it. You know what? I still got it. Like, don't let KD confuse you. I'm still the goods out here. I don't I don't want him to get hurt along the way, showing that he still has it. But when I look at Ubre and I look at Wiggins, I'm saying to myself, this is not enough. They these guys are missing these open shots or they're not taking confident shots and the players that they have coming off the bench G League no no disrespect but this is not a quality bench I think about the team that they had back in 2015 when you had Livingston and Barbosa coming off of the bench Ezeli coming off of the bench like we are a far cry from that with some of these players you had the, the, the Juan whatever his last name was getting excited that Steph made a three the other day I'm like this is Bush League kind of sorta so they stuck with Draymond to bring it full circle, but I might I might be of the belief that Mr. Wiseman is gonna make Dre expendable if the right situation comes about. You get double text and this this young stud is here looking at yeah. you sideways, eh, he might be on the way out. Draymond put himself above the team and uh okay. that was yeah, that was bad on him. Uh, and again, you know, you put like again that Clay can come back close to what he was, it's a whole different ballgame, right? It's a whole different ballgame. Now Draymond can just rebound. Get assist on the break and and talk and yap his mouth. Right now, you ask him to do anything else, he's he can't score, he can't finish around the rim, he can't shoot. It's it, it looks really bad. I mean, Draymond's hairline is telling you exactly where he's at in his career right now. Dre, I love you, but we we see it, bro. It's happening, dog. It happens with the best of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, hey, Father Time is undefeated. Absolutely. Only one right now. LeBron James is staring him down somehow, but you know, LeBron James is an alien. You know. The, the, the physical gifts this man has his cliff is mount everest like he's still falling he's falling but it's a long fall for lebron before he looks human in any form of fashion but we've reached the end of the episode and this is the part where i usually ask my guests to identify themselves so, you know let us know we can find you on the social so they can tap in with you uh you guys can check me out i used to write and stuff but i don't now i just kind of Sit there like I'm the grumpy old man on Twitter. You can see it's me beautiful. at uh, you, you can find me at Snotty Dripping. Um, always down to talk some basketball, talk about fitted hats, the sneakers, whatever. So yeah, at Snotty Dripping, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, that's an homage to the great Scotty Pippen. Uh, you'll find it. You'll find the name on there somewhere. <laughs> I like it. I, I, I like the humility in that description right there, brother. I appreciate you coming on. It's always fun. I'm gonna have you spin back once they put the new schedule out, and there's an actual second half. We'll revisit some of these topics. It's always been a, it's always a pleasure, my brother. Yes, sir. We'll talk soon. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Another illustrious, successful, elite episode of the Gray Area. The next episode, I got something special for you. The homie Mace is pulling up, and we're gonna do the NBA all-time overrated team. I'm telling you this right now. Don't come into this episode with your ears open and your feelings. Leave them at the door. Just be prepared to argue with us when you disagree. That's all I got to say. And as the saying goes, Whether you like it or don't like it, sit down and look at it because it's the best going today. Woo! Perfect.